January 22nd marked the 50th anniversary of Roe v. Wade, the landmark Supreme Court case that codified the right to an abortion and led to over 63 million children being uh, murdered in the mother's womb. I am thankful that the Supreme Court overturned this ruling earlier this year. However, we must keep our guard up about the horrific practice of killing unborn children as well as other issues related to today's sexual revolution. Welcome to Kingdom Currents. I want to thank you for tuning in to today's broadcast. I'm wondering when you heard the topic of this episode, you may have thought to yourself, this topic has been addressed on earlier episodes. Why do we have to go through it again? If you thought that, you are correct. So why am I bringing abortion and the sexual revolution up again? Well, recently I read something that Shane Pruitt, a youth evangelist, posted on his social media account. He said this, The church can't stop biblically teaching about sexuality and gender because the world won't stop talking about it. When the world is screaming about something and the church is silent, then a whole generation only hears one worldview. If the, if the Bible speaks, the church must speak. Now, I would add that if the Bible speaks, parents and Christian educators must also speak. There is no doubt about it, the world is screaming about what it means to be human, and much of the screaming that is taking place is being done in schools, both public and private. Dr. Albert Moeller does a daily podcast called The Briefing. On a recent episode, Moeller made some very sobering comments. He said this, Parents, especially Christian parents, are often slow to recognize that our children are being subjected to a vast social experiment driven by sexual and moral revolutionaries through our public educational system. Wow. He went on to note, the entire public educational establishment in the U.S. is increasingly disregarding and violating the pre-political responsibility and authority that parents have over the lives of their children. Now that should frighten us to say the least. See, we can't afford to remain silent when it comes to human sexuality and the sanctity of human life. It will take discerning hearts and minds to be able to understand the dangerous ideologies that are being foisted upon our children and youth every single day, in fact, every single hour. For example, President Biden recently issued a presidential memorandum to protect access to the abortion pill. In a release statement, here's what the president said. Today, instead of commemorating the 50th anniversary of the Supreme Court decision in Roe v. Wade, we are acknowledging that last year the Supreme Court took away a constitutional right from the American people. That's really not true. He went on to say Republicans in Congress and across the country continue to push for a national abortion ban to criminalize doctors and nurses and to make contraceptive uh, contraception harder to access. It's dangerous, extreme, and out of touch. What well, we've got to understand that sometimes statements like this are very dangerous, but some of the most dangerous messages are not what someone says, but what someone fails to say. 
A prime example of that can be seen by Vice President Harris's recent remarks about the Supreme Court's ruling. Here is a part of her remarks. She said, and I quote, We are here together because we collectively believe and know America is a promise. It is a promise of freedom and liberty, not for some, but for all. Now listen carefully. A promise we made in the Declaration of Independence that we are each endowed with the right to liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Be clear, these rights were not bestowed upon us, They belong to us as Americans, and it is that freedom and liberty that enabled generations of Americans to chart their own course and decide their own future. With yes, ambition and aspiration, therein lies the strength of our nation. Now, in order to understand the dangerous beliefs and values that the vice president was invoking in her speech, we need to look at what the Declaration of Independence actually says. If you read it, here are the words from the Declaration. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. What the vice president left out is the real danger that is facing our country and our families. She left out the most important truth that we must never forget. God, our creator, is the one who endows us with an unalienable rights. Now, by unalienable, we mean something that can't be taken away. And what is the very first and foremost of these unalienable rights that God has given to all human beings, as stated in our uh, Declaration of Independence? Well, it's not the right to liberty or pursuit of happiness. The first right is the right to life. See, what Harris said was that God didn't give us these rights. No, they belong to us just because we're Americans. When God is taken out of the picture, guess what? We can do whatever we want or feel like doing. Did you notice her words? We chart our own course and decide our own future. Delano Squires is a contributor to Blaze Media and a research fellow at the Heritage Foundation. He was recently asked, how does the lack of a biblical worldview impact society, particularly the policies that are developed? His answer is somewhat lengthy, but it is so important that we grasp the deep truth of what he says. Listen carefully, and I quote, There is a straight line between Darwinian evolution, political revolution, and cultural devolution. So if we start with the position that man is not created by God, we're just stardust, clumps of cells and matter, then you tend to believe that problems in this world need to be fixed by people who are put into political offices. So that's why people fight to the death to gain power in politics. When that's the case, they can unleash a set of forces that say something like this. Well, everyone can do as they will. There is no overarching moral order. There's no transcendent superstructure. Everyone is their own law unto themselves. That's how you get men declaring themselves women and women declaring themselves men, saying they can get pregnant. Because 
Our institutions, particularly our governing institutions, oftentimes do not acknowledge God as creator. So when that one domino falls, I think that we've seen is that the rest of them have fallen as well. That's why the trans crazes have come about so quickly in the course of maybe half a decade. We've gone from Bruce Jenner to Caitlyn Jenner saying he's a woman to now school districts requiring teachers to teach certain things about gender and sexuality that are contrary both to nature and to God's word. See, what Vice President Harris said is exactly what Delano Squires said would happen. When she left out, when she left God out of her statement, she was telling us that we are all a law unto ourselves. No one gives us these rights. We own them. They belong to us. I can do whatever I want to, even if it means I have to kill a living human being in a mother's womb. Of course, this is really all about a battle of worldviews that is taking place before our very eyes each and every day. This is a worldview battle as it relates to the sanctity of human life. And it's been clearly articulated by a course that a cross-examined organization has put together. And uh, Scott Klusendorf was the teacher. And in this uh, course, Klusendorf identifies the competing worldviews about the sanctity of human life with this statement. Listen to what he says, and I quote again. What is on the line is this question. Who counts as one of us? That's the key question. Klusendorf says that another way of saying this is whose life matters? Who who is it that is expendable? He goes on to identify the the two rival worldviews that try to answer this question. Listen carefully to what he has to say. He states there is an endowment view of human value, and there is a performance view of human value. Now, these are two different competing worldviews. His words go on to say, when one realizes what these two worldviews believe, one can understand how both sides claim to value human life. However, these two views of human life are in opposition to each other. First of all, The endowment view of human value says the following. Human beings are not valuable because of any functions we perform. In fact, the beach bum and the university scholar have equal intrinsic human dignity simply because they bear the image of their maker. They are endowed with rights. They don't gain them through functional ability. They are endowed with them. They are intrinsically valuable, which means they are a value in and of themselves. The rival worldview to that is the performance view that says no uh, human being isn't anything special. In fact, nothing has intrinsic value. You earn it through performance. You earn it through having the ability to immediately exercise things like self-awareness, like sentience, like the ability to feel pain. Until you can do those things, you don't have any value. Your value is strictly based on your immediately exercisable functions. 
that worldview clash over the endowment view and over the performance view is what's driving the philosophical debate over abortion rights today. End of quote. You know, I've taken a lot of time to share with you a lot of information in, in this short episode. I have done so because it is so important to understand the ramifications when we ignore or worse, deny that God is the creator of all life. See, if there is no creator, then there can be no moral law or truth by which we determine the value and meaning of life. Klusendorf, again in this course, The Case for Life, accurately explains what the result will be by believing this false worldview. He states, if moral truths do not exist as a foundation for law, then law itself becomes merely a system of raw political power accountable to no one. Christian parents, church leaders, and Christian educators must not be silent at a time such as this. We must boldly but lovingly teach truth about God and his creation to our children. We must instill within the hearts and minds of our children that they have intrinsic value, not because of what they can or cannot do, but because they have been created by God and bear his image. They must be taught from the earliest of years that their lives began at conception and God knitted them together while they were in their mother's wombs and the sovereign God of the universe made them either male or female. I am certain that the attack on human life and the issues of sexuality and gender will not go away anytime soon. In fact, it appears that the battle will intensify in the days, months, and maybe years to come. Because of this, the home, the church, and the school must unite together and do everything possible to give our children and grandchildren a biblical education. We cannot allow a secular society and its educational systems to shape the worldview of the next generation. Allow me to take a minute and talk about our sponsor, Frameworks. The support of this biblical worldview initiative is what makes the Kingdom Currents podcast possible. Northwest Christian School in Phoenix, Arizona, has partnered with many well-known and established ministries to create relevant online courses taught from a biblical worldview context. Some of these partners include Young Life, Likewise Worship, Summit Ministries, Stand a Reason, and more. This initiative allows all high school students, whether they attend public, private, or home schools, to take elective courses online where they can actually get credit for these courses at their own schools. For more information on this exciting new initiative, Frameworks, go to ncsaz.org. Again, to learn more about Frameworks, go to ncsaz.org.